Superkicks.com offers cool streetwear and apparel at great prices. Shipping worldwide, thanks to the guys at Superkicks, you can get 10% off your order by using the code SWN at the checkout. That's Superkicks.com, pro wrestling apparel. Welcome to the Untitled Wrestling Podcast by SWN. I am your host, as always, Billy. I am joined by a titan in the podcast world. Uh, he is from the Kurt Johansson Show, the aptly named Kurt Johansson. Welcome to the show. <laughs> nah, thanks, Billy. Thank you for having me. Like, really excited. You guys are killing it. Yeah, I mean, we we, we started our podcast hour, just the Royal Hour, uh, started it last year, and it was very quickly. Uh, guys like yourself and and Ella are very quick to to share and and contact and and help yeah. out and that's just it's been really nice it's really nice <laughs> to know that the podcast community is there, there, there's good ones especially when we started it a week after the you know the worst thing happened last year so yeah. it's a bit of a weird time um, anyway can't get can't get away without asking the first boring question and then we'll get the fun ones what got you to pro wrestling see i I don't. I don't think I have that moment where I can be like, "Oh, it's the first time I ever watched it." Since I can remember, I always played with the action figures. I always played the games on the PlayStation. Um, like I remember having an ECW game, but I never watched ECW in my life. But I just really liked the game. And then when WWE bought out the competitors, I was really excited. I was like, oh, "That's the guy off my game." But I think like some of the moments that really stood out on where I think what like got me loving pro wrestling. I was a big Hogan fan as a kid, watching back on old VHS tapes and stuff like that. But it was Rock's Charisma and Austin, their feud. Um, Austin coming back during the invasion and stuttering everybody in the ring. I can remember still sitting on my couch, jumping up and down about that, getting really excited about it. And I think, like, the last big moment where I knew I'm going to love wrestling for my life was Hogan and Rock, like, my two favourite wrestlers at the time as a kid. I still remember the promo where it's like, you've headlined WrestleMania after WrestleMania after WrestleMania. How about you do one more with The Rock? And it's just moments like that. So I think I can't remember a time where I wasn't, I wasn't watching wrestling. I can't remember who got me into it. I just know from my earliest memories, wrestling was in in my life. So that's putting it into 2002 then, uh, WrestleMania 18, Rock uh, Hogan. So yep. into Invasion, which everyone has an opinion about Invasion, mostly negative. I loved Invasion for, for the same reason as you did, uh, I, I would think, because you got to see these guys you've never seen before or only ever saw in video games. And you're just like yep. going oh, it's amazing. There's a new batch of wrestlers that I can like. And there's Rob Van Dam, and he looks amazing. I hope he's against Jeff Hardy. Oh, my God, he's against Jeff Hardy. This is amazing. Uh, yeah, so I don't, I, I don't know why people... I think I know why people hate Invasion. Uh, for those that watch WCW, it, the big stars weren't there. But for those that only watched WWF, like I did, it was amazing. 
It was the best thing ever. Yeah, definitely. And I think I guarantee, unless they were already adults during that like that stage, like what again SmackDown one when I'd have been watching that came out in two thousand. So I'd have been around seven years old at that point, just loving wrestling and loving life. But as the invasion and stuff happened, no, I'm sorry, but if, if you're not an adult and you're not clued up on it and you're still just a young fan, you enjoyed that product. And I think people have looked back and they've read dirt sheets and it's like, oh, well, they didn't have Hogan or they didn't have Goldberg and they didn't have uh, Sting. But I guarantee at that moment in time where it was live in air, at least 80% of wrestling fans would have enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I was, I was 11. So we're not too different age-wise. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'd loved every second of it. And I think I think we're in the same kind of position now, whereas we can watch the product and we might go, oh, this isn't, isn't what it used to be. Uh, but kids will be watching it going, oh, my God, there's Big E. There's... Uh, here's Goldberg, I don't know, yeah. I don't know why anyone say that, but uh, like, they can watch the product now and they love it because to them it's just superheroes fighting and to us as grown-ups it's still superheroes fighting but at the same time we're like, oh we, we've been through the good old days and and uh, now we're, we're into a little bit of a leaner period but to kids this is still the good old days to them. Um, right, so who are your favourites growing up then? You mentioned uh, Rock, Hogan, yeah, Austin, so the big ones. Any any odd picks like your, I don't know, Steve Blackman or something like that? <laughs> uh, well, Blackman was a ba- Blackman was a badass, and so was Ken Shamrock. Like you've got to like you've got to appreciate them. Um, I used to love to call, obviously dancing around and Jeff Hardy. I remember what I'd have been around eight or nine, listening to Kerrang. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listening to like Slipknot and Limp Biscuit and whatever with a chain on my um, jeans just because I've seen Jeff Hardy wear it. Um, so yeah, I, I love Jeff Hardy. And then came to the time where I couldn't really watch much WWE. Like we didn't have Sky at that point and Wrestling Channel came about. And before I know it, I'm seeing Sting again. And again, when, when I was like seven or eight and stuff like that, I was watching more of the older stuff on video. So I was watching a lot of the old WrestleManias, but I was also watching like Star Kids and stuff like that. I was just getting them handed down by different relatives. So I, I used to love Sting. And when I started watching TNA, there's Sting. And just absolutely, absolutely loved Sting. I like was drawn in by AJ Styles from his early ages and going through the X Division with Daniels and Joe and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'd say Rock and Hogan um, were two of the big ones. Hogan, not so much now. Like, <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's always hard because I see him in a part of me, he's like, remembers the kid. And then I'm like, but now he's a shitty person. <laughs> like, it's kind of ruined it for me, but yeah, Sting, Sting and The Rock would probably be the two that have stayed with me. Where every time I see them on TV, I still probably get a little bit excited. Yeah, Hogan's one of those ones where yeah, I'd be in two minds. It's like he's coming to for whatever reason. He's coming to Aberdeen and he's doing a a, a signing. I'm like, oh, I want to go. Oh no, but it's Hulk Hogan. But it's yes. Hulk Hogan. But it's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it's just like two minds. Wrestling Channel. Yes. What I a channel that was. I, I've mentioned it in previous podcasts, and I'm going to mention it now. I love the advertisements. 
the adverts were amazing for like Jushin Thunder Liger, uh, Curryman was one of my favourites yeah. as well. Team Shag, just <laughs> the weirdest of adverts. Ravens as well. Uh, so that's that's how I started watching TNA as well. Uh, for what I remember, it was two thousand four. I think I started watching it on yeah. the wrestling channel, um, and it was Turning Point. It was the first event I taped on on the VHS to youngins. Uh, I taped it. Um, so, I. What did you think of TNA when it started? Was it just because it was just wrestling or just because it was different? What were, what were your initial thoughts on it? So I was going through a lot of the wrestling channel. And again, I was still I was still relatively young. Like, obviously, you mentioned 2004. Like, I, I, was, I was born 93, so I was still ele- I was, I was 11. And I was still very much, the big bright lights still attracted me and stuff like that. So when I was watching, like... It started off with, like, say, Ring of Honor, or and that'd be on TV. I'm like, eh, the quality is not what I've been used to with WWE or WCW. And then here comes TNA, and their production value was strong. There was having a, a few different people that I was very familiar with. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll leave this one on. And obviously with the ring, that was very different. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then before I know it, like TNA was the only thing I was watching or mainly interested in. I stopped watching WWE. I'd keep up by either playing the video games for a long time. That's how I kept up with WWE until The Rock returned <laughs> doing his um, <clears throat> hosting and then obviously facing Cena and stuff like that. That's when I started looking back into the WWE. But it was just everybody. Monty Brown was just cool as hell. Like doing the pounds and Jeff Jarrett, he was another big fan of mine as a like when I was younger because I'd just seen him so much on TNA and I think like I've probably been a bigger TNA fan than I've ever been a WWE fan maybe because of just how long it was just TNA for and when I was growing up and growing up and maturing I was still just watching TNA until I eventually went back to WWE so. A lot of the time when people are on about like some great tag teams, unless it's like obviously Edge and Christian, Dudley Boys, the Hardys, I was on about like America's Most Wanted to kick their ass and um, like AJ Styles is amazing and Samoa Joe. Like these were all the guys that I fantasized about finally being in WWE and then they have and most of them WWE shut the bed with. Um, <laughs> Apart from Styles, like Styles has done amazing. Like nobody had imagined it'd do that well. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, TNA, the like I said, the production, the six-sided ring. I love the tunnels at each side yeah. because I mean their crowd was parkours, so they needed to know who to cheer to boo for. So you had a yeah. a face tunnel and a heel tunnel. How easy is that? <laughs> wrestling is I just I, I I say it so many times. When you look at it being done, wrestling is so easy. Like oh, production-wise, yeah. and it's baffling how many places do it so badly in yeah. terms of of uh, setup. It's just it baffles the mind. Um, like I was saying to previous Gore podcast guests that you can you can do more with with uh, five minutes of doing just crowd reaction and then one move than you can with doing five minutes of flips. And it's oh, just 100%. ridiculous. <laughs> 100%. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I like that X Division style, I like the AW style, but there's only so much of that I can digest before I'm like, 
saw this last week, saw this last week, and it is those little things, like a lot of my content, which we'll probably get into, I've been looking at a lot of guys that work for All-Star Wrestling, and they're very that old-school mentality where less is more, and making like a DDT get the same reaction as somebody doing a 2050 splash or something like that, and getting a, still getting the same reaction. Oh, yeah, I mean, if you're doing it 280 days, three times a day, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to find ways to to make it as easy as possible on your body. Um, I've, I haven't had the privilege to see any all-star shows, uh, but I know a lot of the guys in Scotland do the, the park runs, and uh, they, they've all said that that's when you learn how to, oh, yeah. how to work a crowd and to do a show and, and pretty much protect yourself. Our biggest, our biggest export other than Drew, obviously, in Scotland is Grado, who yeah. could probably count, you could probably count on your hand how many actual offensive moves he does. Just like big boot, yeah. elbow. That's about it, to be honest. I can't think of any more punches. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's yeah, it, it's, it's still Panto. People need to kind of remember that we're still entertaining people. You can watch your bodies for a little bit longer. That's why AJ Styles... Back in 2000, if he debuted, what, he was 43 or something like that? Or he was quite mm-hmm. older when he debuted yeah, WWE. Yeah. If it was back in 2000, he would have been deemed too old. And look at yeah. him. He's one of the greatest wrestlers that's in the world. Uh, that that uh, It's a flat earther, but, you know, that's by the by. Uh, but, yeah, his, his, <laughs> his, his, his opinions are still a bit weird, but his wrestling is still cracking. Uh, yeah. Right, so, yeah, content. So how did you go from going... When I listen to your wrestling gal podcast with Ella, you have led a fascinating life for only being 27. Uh, <laughs> but how did you go from being a fan to podcasting? Um, so to begin with, I started training at NGW um, in Hull. So I was doing some wrestling training for a little bit. Didn't last as long as I wanted it to, just because of I was at the time pro football coach that was my full-time job and I was still playing football on a weekend and tore the ligaments and tendons in my ankle did my MCL and work was pissed so I was like mm, I got a stinger whilst training I was like I can't really justify if I get injured where I can't work or if I'm on crutches I can barely justify that when I'm saying it's playing like more or less semi-pro Never mind, um, like training to be a wrestler, like they wouldn't have that. So I had to take a back seat, and I was still helping out at a lot of the shows. Um, I was still part of the crew with a lot of them and stuff like that. And I've had this, I've had to talk, and like obviously being a coach, I've done public speaking and stuff like that. And I started writing for, um, the Indie Corner. So I, I did a couple of articles for the Indie Corner and one of my mates had suggested to a couple of others that I knew one of them, um, and I'll mention it, it's, it's, it's the Ringsiders lads. Um, they were wanting to start a podcast, uh, Callum and Jamie, and they was like unsure of what this podcast is going to be. Obviously they want it about wrestling. Um, and it got suggested by a mutual friend. I already knew Jamie would travel to a couple of shows got suggested that I get on it with them so all three of us just learned how to podcast and it, we were shit 
we really were like those first couple of ones like just trying to be something when and stuff like that and that that's how I transitioned into it like we started doing different content and had some good good moments together um interviewing like Lance Archer um I did a WWE press interview whilst there um where Callum came with me and then it was me speaking to one of the NXT UK guys I'm not going to mention because turns out he's a piece of shit. Um, so, yeah, it, it, was, it was good moments. And then I'd started my own show already just because I could see that I may not be there always. There was just sometimes like creative differences or stuff like that. And then, yeah, I, I started it as Kurt's Angle Pod. So I thought I'd play on the Kurt's Angle side of things. And then the speaking out movement happened and I was like, we went on hiatus with Ringside, went on hiatus with Kurt's Angle. And then it was upon the return where I was like, look, I'm, I'm focusing on my own thing. Like it wasn't working where I was. I want to focus on myself. And then that's when I started the Kurt Johansson show just to try and get my, my name out there. I know... Kate Johansson has no name value whatsoever. Um, I'm, I'm not delusional to that point, but I just thought if I want a career in um, in wrestling or something like that, at least people are going to be recognising the name. And I'd like to think that's slowly happening now um, from different people recommending, like if I interview somebody and then they've recommended to one of their mates who wrestles to reach out to me to come on the show and... It's, it's, it's made that goal, but yeah, that's that's how it got started, really, and that's how the K. Johansson show became what it is. So, yeah, so very confident then in speaking, as I say, as a coach and, and doing and doing speaking things and um, even turning up at the Buckingham Palace and all that kind of thing. I, I implore <laughs> anyone to listen to to the Wrestling Gal one because that's, that's more in-depth. I'm kind of just kind of skating past it because I don't want you to repeat the same stories that you've already done, what, a week ago? So, so I don't want to, like, dive into the exact same ones. But. Yeah. I can't remember if I mentioned on that one because I basically I'd met the Queen in March of... I can't remember what year. It was about four years ago, five years ago. I'd met her and Prince Charles and I had to learn... I had to speak Swahili to the Queen of England <laughs> because she was like, oh, do you still speak Swahili? Speak some. And I'm like... I'm just trying to concentrate on how to speak English to you, <laughs> but okay. So it was like, <laughs> it was like Mambo Gino Languini Kurt, <laughs> just, hi, my name is Kurt, and she just started chuckling away. Um, and then, yeah, I did the Buckingham Palace Garden Party in the mayor. So, yeah, once you've spoken to the Queen, I think speaking to wrestlers is, is very much uh, easy <laughs> enough to do <laughs> from that point onwards. Yeah, um, yeah I mean... When I saw your, your rebranding, um, I'd been aware of the Kurt, the Kurt's Angle podcast, but I think the name kind of was like, uh, it seems a bit weird. <laughs> I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know if it was just a Kurt Angle podcast that you really liked him that much. You've done so many podcasts about him. But when I saw yeah. you had your own, and uh, the first one that caught my eye specifically was your interview with Emily Hayden. Yeah. Uh, the the Wrestle Beach podcast. Wrestle Beach, Pal. Your Wrestle <laughs> Pal. Uh, was, was she one of the, in your first was she part of the Kurtz Angle era that was brought forward or how did that Yeah, so me and Emily had spoken just before the Speaking Out movement happened, which makes the interview 
that little bit more special because obviously if you'd listened to it, we'd spoken about like inappropriate fans and we kind of spoke about stuff that had been mentioned in Speaking Out Movement before Speaking Out Movement became a thing. And at that point, like I said, I wanted to go on hiatus. I had the Emily interview recorded. I had my interview with Adrian Gomez, who's the owner of um, Middle Kingdom Wrestling in China, and I had Joel Redman. Um, so I had those three interviews, and I was like, honestly, I, I didn't know if I was ever going to release them. Like, I didn't know if I was going to pursue with the rebrand. I didn't know if I was going to come back. Um, I'd spoken to Emily, like, like, we've become really good friends since then, like, hence the WrestlePal. We're going to be starting a couple of new shows together as well, which we can get into later, but... Yeah, it was probably her and um, Aisha Raymond that kept me doing all this. Um, Aisha had approached me to do stuff for Fierce Females and um, Emily was just like, just keep being you, just keep doing like what you want to do and what you're passionate about. So I was always showing her stuff regarding the rebrand and she's been a massive driving force for it. So yeah. I felt it had to be the first episode was the Emily Hayden one. Absolutely. I mean, to, to provide some spoilers for people listening, I actually have Emily penciled in for a future interview. Um, once it comes a couple of days beforehand, I'll, I'll put the, the big ask some questions because I'm sure there'll be plenty uh, for, <laughs> for Emily, especially from from her best pal, uh, Alexander Darren McCallan, who I think called her the most annoyingly positive person in the world. <laughs> and nah, she's great. Yeah, I mean, any, any interaction I've had with her, I think I met her once. No, I, I, I've kind of did an interview with her it was when i was trying podcasting back in yeah. the old um when i was doing hospital radio i spoke to her for five minutes and i, I just i was just I, it's taken a long time to get this comfortable speaking to people <laughs> but yeah. i think it's more a case of over zoom it's very easy uh, i'm not we're not having that awkward bit afterwards where we're like oh, okay see ya um but yeah face-to-face -face interviews are just a different kettle of fish and yeah five minutes is plenty of human interaction for me and I was like all right cool thanks and then left very quickly but, <laughs> but I could I could tell Emily was very nice <laughs> so that's what I could take away from that um so yeah so we did wrestle pals and we've got there's some uh, episodes in the bank I've, I remember you speaking about uh, Dungeons and Dragons as well yeah is, is that a passion that you had in your youth that's been brought forward as well What's... no to be honest um I'd always liked what D&D seemed to be about. Like, I love the video games. I love the TV shows that are based around, like, these magical worlds, essentially. And I was like, oh, that, that'd always be cool. But I didn't really have my friendship group warden have been into that, or at least I didn't think so. When I eventually did say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be playing D&D &D for the first time, three of them was like, oh, I've always wanted to play that. And I'm just like, really? We've known each other for years. Um, but... Yeah, it was just a group of people at work where they all wanted to try play D&D &D for the first time ever. So a few of us grown-ass adults was like, let's do it. Um, so it's just been something we've been doing for the past few months now, like the past about six months maybe. I'm, I'm the same. I, was like, I like the idea of it, but I don't know if I'd have the patience to do it uh, or the imagination or wanting to like do it for because i know campaigns can last hours and hours i'm thinking yeah. no i'd rather just if i'm going to do it i'd rather dip my toe in see what it's like 
I'd be able to, to dip my toe back out very quickly if it's like uh, it's a bit too intense for me I'll just I'll stick to watching or, or what have you but I'll definitely be checking that out just I, I've had a few I spoke to Craig Berry uh, it was one of my first interviews for this and um, he was very interested in D&D and he's been speaking about it. I was like I've, I've much like anime it's just an absolute yeah. foreign concept to me that but people love it so more power to them because yeah. if you love it go for it so what what it's basically what it's going to be called is D and Dub. So it's still got the D and D, but obviously Dub for wrestling. So it's Dungeons and Wrestling, um, or Dungeons and Wrestlers that were going to do it. And it's a concept I came up with a while ago, and I did my first episode with Ian Skinner, um, and then something that happened with my laptop. By the time I could start editing, that one had disappeared. Like obviously Skype only keeps it for so many days and we didn't really have the concept nailed down so i think we went maybe a little bit longer than i wanted to so and he's a big fan of it and so is emily so basically the three of us are gonna be doing this d and dub show where the idea is to do it just once a month where we're talking about what's happening on our dungeons and dragon campaigns or stuff we've played previously but then we're gonna do, we're gonna turn it into like wrestling as well. So we may pick like two pictures where it might be a group of people, and it'll be like right, cast them as Dungeons and Dragons. Like, what role would they play in your party if you could choose it? Or um, right, you've got to pick somebody from WWE. Who do you want to play the campaign with? What kind of character would they be? And then it might be right from New Japan. So obviously, like Takahashi. You're wanting him to be like a saucer or something just because he's so out there. Um, so that's going to be like the concept. We're going to be recording this month, hopefully. We should have already recorded, but my fiance had a car accident the day of recording. Um, so I had to rearrange. And yeah, me and Emily have also penciled in to do the first episode of Wrestle Pals finally. We're both being very busy, so and that's going to be based around like Marvel. Basic, it's called Wrestle Pals. We're not going to talk any wrestling. Um, we're just going to be. It's going to be us two involved in wrestling, but we're going to talk anything but. So it's going to be horror, gaming, Marvel stuff like that. Have you been watching One Division? Yes, Emily hasn't. So I've been telling Emily she needs to get it watched. Um, but One Division's been absolutely. Brilliant! It's just been incredible. Um, my my wife, my wife uh, started watching. Didn't properly start watching the, the Marvel films until I until I got with her. Our first film was uh, together at cinema was Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, I've, I've made her watch all of them now, except Hulk. Yeah. You can ignore the Incredible Hulk. No one oh, needs yeah. to see it. No, that's that. Skip it. That doesn't um, that doesn't exist. <laughs> but uh, she's been watching One Division, and every week she's got a new theory, a new a new thing. She goes through Reddit, goes, "Oh, what about this? What about this?" I'm just <laughs> like, it's just I could I, I said in so timeline's going to be weird because this is being recorded after Alistair Adams, who I will remember the name of eventually, uh, not yeah. Brandon Adams because what he used to be called. Um, <laughs> to we we're speaking about it, and I was pretty much like, I could see why the the, the the critics only got the first three episodes because the first three episodes was like your prelude and then your final stretch yeah. is just going to be absolute batshit crazy. <laughs> it's just, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, I won't spoil it for anyone that's listening or how, watching. How many episodes is there? There's supposed to be nine. 
and we've watched five so far, five. haven't we? But there was a, a, a presser that went out before it was started looking for uh, a character to play for episodes seven to ten. Okay. So I don't know if that was just an error or they're going to drop nine, have a big cliffhanger at the end of nine and then drop one the week after yeah. as a surprise. But I'm, I'm scared. I'm excited. Uh, it's just every emotion that I want yeah. <laughs> when I'm watching something like that. Um, right, this will turn into to a WrestlePals episode of this race. So we'll just uh, <laughs> we'll leave that for a moment. Uh, best Marvel film for the MCU? Um. I think it has to be Endgame. I thought they did they did an, an amazing job with both both of those films. I think they did incredible. Um, I don't think there's been that much hype, um, especially when you've watched the first. To wait that long for the second one was excruciating. Despite me reading that exact comic, I've got that comic, um, and I was still like a kid, like not knowing what was going to happen and. Yeah, I think the last the last two Avengers films have just been another level. Oh, I, I went to see uh, Infinity War at a midnight screening, so three yeah. o'clock in the morning, just sitting there, just like, what? what? How are you, how are you going to go to sleep after that? Exactly. I spent the next hour uh, theorizing and and shouting. Oh my god! Remember when? Again, I won't spoil it for folk, but it's incredible. <laughs> so go check it out. Um, I mean. I could mean, just point to that, and we'll, we'll both know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, oh man, um, I think I need to so do a good. Marvel podcast at some point, just just to kind of break up the wrestling stuff because definitely just need to speak about it. Anyway, right, we're going to shift back to wrestling for a second. Uh, so you, you did some training, um, yeah. but when did your when when did you discover the indie world of wrestling uh, in the UK? Um. let me try i always knew it was about like one of my mates had always tell me about it um but then i don't know i kept seeing the um the posters and stuff like that so that's when i first became aware of it and i kept hearing about nathan cruz and how good he was obviously being from um like my hometown luckily like friends with him now but it would have been I'm gonna try and find it because I can remember what happened on the first show that I went to. So it was New Generation Wrestling and it was Rampage Brown's return to the company after he'd been in WWE. Um obviously he was in the let me think he was in FCW for a little bit. Um, and he returned, and it was Nathan Cruz versus Matt Myers was one of the main events that was on the show, and then Rampage returned, beat the living crap out of them all. Mark Haskins was on the show, and I was, I was scared. It was the first ever live wrestling show I'd gone to. So I'm, I'm, I'm what, um, about 20 at this time, like this age, it was probably about seven years ago, and... I'm like, what if I don't like it? <laughs> um, like, what if the illusion just goes and stuff like that? And I was sat there and I was like, don't know if I'm going to like this. And then you've got Dave Mastiff on the show. And um, again, Mark Haskins talking like he does. I was like, wow, he's incredible. And then the Nathan and Myers match was fantastic. They've got some great chemistry, both criminally underrated. 
And then Rampage returned and beat the living shit out of them both. I was like, he's a beast. I'm coming to the next show. And then since I think it was after that, I started looking at like PCW and Southside Wrestling. And then the ICW documentary dropped. So I started watching that. And then before I know it, I'm coming to the Hydro and I just became addicted to British wrestling. Yeah, my first show, it was 2000, well, other than a tribute show, but won't count it, uh, was, was, was 2012. But I'm the exact same. I would have saw, I saw posters. The year before, I saw a poster with Sonny on it. And yeah. I thought, that looks cute. Shannon Moore was on it as well. And I was like, oh, that'd be quite cool to go to. But it was like way down in Perth or Dundee. And then yeah. eventually I, I took the chance because Roddy Piper was coming. I was like, it's in Perth. I'm going to go see Roddy Piper. Why not? <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a very, I was exact same. I sit there going, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. And some of the wrestlers, most of the wrestlers on that show probably aren't wrestling now um, for yeah. one reason or another. But I got to see Tatanka, which I never thought I needed to see Tatanka. But, you know, <laughs> there we go. I've, ne- I've never seen him. I've never, I've never got the chance to see him. I've seen him twice now live and it was one too many. Uh, it's it's Tatanka. There's <laughs> also someone you're going to be excited to see, but it was yeah. anyway. Uh, but uh, Chavo Guerrero was on that show, and uh, um, Teddy Biasi was the other one that was that was there. So it was a very weird experience because it was the first thing. Finally got there, and there was a problem with my ticket. Um, I ended up getting bumped up to to front row because I whinged about it so much because they never arrived. And then I emailed them yeah. and said, "Oh, they've been sent." I went, "Well, I haven't got them." So, so <laughs> someone's went wrong here, and it's not me because you've put you said you tracked it, and then I got a bit snippy and I got front row tickets. So you know, whinging works. <laughs> I was a Karen in that situation, but it still worked out for me. And, I think uh, I was, I think I was front row for mine because um, I've I finally found it. It was NGW. It was the fifth anniversary show. Um, so it had been um, the sixth of July two thousand and thirteen was when I first went to watch a British wrestling show and then I literally got on my laptop afterwards and just started searching all these all these different um, companies. You must and find like everything you can. Um, yeah. It must be, it's quite a, a densely populated area for companies, but there's quite a few shows that run round about there, isn't there? Uh, in Hull, NGW. And... Yeah, you've got All Star, NXT UK came, um October 2019, November 2019, and then NGW run really well. Like their their shows get over a thousand people. Um, like every time they run in the city hall, they get over a thousand people, and it's just looks breathtaking and looks absolutely amazing. They're just a family friendly product. They're not. They don't care about the internet fans or anything like that. Will Osprey came to a show um, before, like, and he was still a big deal like if Will Ospreay's on the show that's big and he was in New Japan at the time but bet probably about 10% of the audience cared like everybody still preferred Robbie X because he was their local guy that's the thing yeah I mean I've been to, to shows up here where it could be the biggest indie name in the world and folk are going no I want to see the guy I saw last month because yep. he was cool and that's the reason you go back because if you go to any show that's got a big guest, it, everyone else of the regular core group has to be on their A game to get 
to make sure people come back. I mean, um, I, I speak about wrestling so much in these podcasts, but it's, it's the McCrossman <laughs> that's an hour up the road from me. It's technically my local one, I suppose. Um, yeah. But the first show I went to had Billy Gunn and Hacksaw Jim Duggan because I'm <laughs> going to go see Billy Gunn. <laughs> that's like the best yeah. thing ever. And uh, It's 2021 and he's still a beast. Exactly. He's humongous. I didn't realise how big he was. And I got, I'm 5'10", and stood next to him thinking, holy fuck, you are humongous. <laughs> so is Jim Duggan. I couldn't believe yeah. how big he was either. Um, I bought his book. I don't know why. Because I've never been a big fan of Huck, so I think he, he charmed me. Because I he's was going to get, he's there. I was going to get him to sign like a Royal Rumble anthology, and that was my yeah. plan. It was in my bag and everything, but I'd already got Billy Gunn to sign a WWF foam tag team title. I was so excited because nice. it was the best thing. Uh, even if awkwardly said, "Oh, I liked everything you've done, even the smoking guns." Which yeah. you know, that's not something you say to anyone. Uh, but <laughs> still, not as bad as the Lita story. Again, wrestling gal, check that one out because that is a fucking embarrassing story for me. But I went to to Hacksaw next, and I was like, "Great!" He went, "Do you want me to send your belt?" I went, yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> You've never held it, but yes, you can sign it. And then by the end, I bought his book, and but it was—I don't know what happened. <laughs> so you bought you bought his book. He signed your belt, probably ruining all value of that belt now because he never held it. It's like it's like me going to Bobby Lashley and asking him to sign that version of the X Division title behind me. Yeah, and I paid twenty five pounds for the privilege of it all as well. <laughs> I just I just I, le- I left the, the place going. What happened? How did I do that? That's not been signed. Shit. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, but anyway. What I was saying was, uh, they were on the show, that's why I went, and then end end up seeing Bingo Balance versus Stevie Xavier as the first match on the proper show. Amazing. Breathtaking. Had to go back the next month, or as soon as I possibly could, because I had to see Bingo Balance again. I had to see these guys wrestle. Um, So, yeah, so that would be your first kind of show. So who, when you started, who were your first favourites in the indie world of of, outside of TNA in the American market? Uh, Nathan Cruz. Yeah, Nathan Cruz. Um, I still think he's probably one of the best heels in independent wrestling. Um, the fact that I've I've seen him have a thousand fans all jumping in like glee because he's champion, to then six months down the road, every single person in his hometown booing him because he's that good of a heel to transition. Um, just yeah, great work. Um, Rampage Brown to me, best wrestler in Europe. I'm glad he's been signed by NXT UK and he should be the one that slaps Walter and takes his title. Um, Haskins, the charisma and the way he talked was just ridiculous. And there's a few other people that have now been named in speaking out, so I don't really want to give them them credit. Um, I liked Martin Kirby. Martin Kirby, when he was like... I looked at a lot of his Ego Dragon stuff that he was doing in Southside Wrestling. Um, I was a big fan of that. And then I started looking at PCW. Preston City Wrestling started going there because they was having some big shows. And it's Noam Dar and Lineheart. They, I, I, I really liked Lineheart. Like, he was just absolutely fantastic. As a heel as well, like... It's probably different because, like, obviously you're you're Scottish, but as a heel, 
coming to England, like he he was great. Um, his work was fantastic, and it was always good when it, if he did anything with NGW. Um, it was always good seeing him. Who else did did I like? And I can't really include Doug Williams because obviously I first saw him in TNA. But yeah, I think there's just so much talent, and I was just opening my eyes. And I was just like, wow. Like, Robbie X is still only young, but he's absolutely fantastic. And the fact he's not signed is criminal. He must still be working under that World of Sport wrestling contract that uh, that they're going to have shows again, I'm sure. <laughs> they're, all, they're, all, they're, all, they're all out of it now. Um, and the, like the, yeah, they're all out of it because Maxted has a contract for NXT UK sat waiting, so he'll be going there. But... A lot of the contracts that they were under, so Robbie X was under a contract with um, the wrestling agency. So it was actually NGW giving people full-time contracts, um, which is unheard of for an independent show to give people a guarantee. I think they gave one to Rampage, Adam Maxted, Nathan Cruz, Lucas Steele. And there was quite a few of them on where I was like, right, you'll get this as a guarantee um, for the year. So they... They didn't have to worry about getting other bookings like NGW had to be their priority um, or anything affiliated with wrestling agency. But it was a case of they didn't have to worry about paying the bills, even if they're not working that month for the company, for whatever reason, they've still got their wage coming in. Be interested to see if that that becomes a more common thing um, in the future, just to to stop things like cancellations, no shows, all that kind yeah. of thing. Um, it's, I, I wouldn't know the ins and outs of that kind of thing. I, I only brought up World Sport because they still act, they, their Twitter still acts like uh, they've got shows coming soon. It's, it's, funny, it's funny you should, you should say it. Um, I've got an interview. I recorded it this morning, so it won't be out for a couple of weeks. But it's with Yes and Reese, and we talk very much about World of Sport and what went wrong and basically they was given a fantastic opportunity away from ITV but the people that own the world of sport name didn't want to take it because they cared about the ITV money and instead of being guaranteed say three seasons across a year and a live tour which the tours sought out the tours was incredible doing better numbers than NXT UK but their um, it was Dave the channel Dave was like, right, we'll give you a season where you do a season for 10 weeks or something. Then you go on a three-week like weekend tour, and then we'll start season two. Then you'll go on another tour, season three, then go on another tour. This is how much money we'll give you. And they're like, that's like we got more from ITV for that one season. It's like, but ITV aren't offering you anything else. Like, And their camera crew just butchered the whole show for you. They're offering you something different. I mean, I was watching uh, Britain's Got Talent last year uh, when there was well, there was no crowd or anything. Um, but I was watching it and they're doing dance acts, and I was turning to my wife and going, "If they can't shoot dance acts properly, what chance did they have with wrestling?" If if they, it just it was nauseating to watch. I mean, the content itself, we took it. It was fine. It was good. It was good family wrestling. It was fantastic. But yeah, the the migraine that you got watching it 
uh, was just something else. Uh, but speaking yeah. of Nathan Cruz, he was on that show. He was. Yeah. He was on World Sport. He was also on one of my other favourite promotions, which just brought back into my memory this week, uh, Five Star Wrestling. Um, so he's, he's certainly... Nathan Cruz has certainly been a name that's uh, been able to pop up in a lot of places. Uh, just, just hopefully he can get a more f- strong foothold somewhere like NXT UK in the future. <laughs> NXT might not have... He's, he's done a lot of stuff with WWE, um, and he was support. He had a contract for the title tournament when NXT UK when it was WWE UK, um, and it was the first ever tournament. He was there. He had a dark match. He had a contract, and he was supposed to be in the tournament, but his blood pressure just kept getting too high. Because and there's nothing wrong with it. He'd go to doctors and it's fine, but it was because he was just that excited that everything he's ever worked for. Had got it. His blood pressure would go through, and they're like, "Look, we can't until you get the blood pressure sorted. We can't give you the contract." And then he'd gone out to NXT. Obviously, he faced Elias, um, and then I think it was his second trip there. Something had happened, and I've I've never asked him what, just because for him to then say WWE isn't a goal anymore. So it's something happened where what it wasn't a good experience for him. Um, when he was out there, so I think like he's still going to stick out, I believe. And AEW would be the perfect place for him. He's, he's close friends with uh Cash Wheeler, uh, which was um obviously FTR. Um, John Skyler's out there, he's really good friends with John Skyler as well, and Kip Sabian. So I think AEW would suit Nathan a lot more than NXT UK. Yeah, that's that's a gutting thing to hear. Like, you couldn't. You didn't get a, a at the time would have been a dream contract because you're too excited. That's uh-huh. just the he, worst he, he, he thing. Had the con- he had the contract in his hands. Oh man, that's just that's just, yeah, that's just that's just a horrible thing to hear. But thankfully, he's, he's adjusted his goals and he's got something yeah. hopefully to aim for in the future. Um, let's move on to some happier things then, because that that, <laughs> that ended in a little bit of a downer. Uh, but uh, let's <laughs> move on. So you've you've done. Loads of interviews. Uh, I'm just looking at your your profile on on Twitter because I have the questions and uh, the amount of flags that you have on there. I'm assuming you've interviewed someone from each of those flags as you've went along. Um, I've, I've run out of characters. I think there should be some more flags in there as well. <laughs> so I can clearly tell that you love indie wrestling. <laughs> that's, yeah. I think that's quite an easy one to know. Um, but what made you decide to start exploring to to likes of China and Turkey and and uh, we'll get on to the Scandinavian ones in a bit because that's a whole yeah. different section. Um, is that Puerto Rico? Is he on there somewhere? Yeah, so on, on the bio, there's Malaysia, Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, which was an American living in Japan, um, China, America, Canada, Mexico, Hong Kong, Puerto Rico, Sweden, Turkey, Denmark, France, um the Philippines, Malta, Hungary, and then I've also done, there is um, Norway, Finland, I've got Portugal lined up, um, and a few more countries lined up, and maybe a couple more countries that aren't in the bio. Yeah, I'm I'm just amazed I got Puerto Rico, I kind of guessed it from Savio Vegas gear. Uh, yeah, that was um, that was due, um, 
Judas Messiah, the guy that plays um, that played Judas Messiah and Mil Muertes. It's Ricky Banderas. Like that was such a surreal interview. So especially as a TN, TNA fan, uh, you would of course yeah. use matches with the with Abyss and and all yeah. that. God, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Judas Messiah. Yeah, uh, around a bit of time with uh, Relic Killer Stop Backwards and all that <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so yeah, what 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 broadened your interest to traveling the world for interviews, uh, even if it's just like this over yeah. Skype and Zoom? Um, I think it's it started obviously at the time I was still with Ringsiders, and it was during the pandemic because we used to do everything in person, where it was us three and then we together and then would zoom somebody else or skype somebody else and then i started the cat's angle stuff and i started looking at a lot of more like underappreciated wrestling scenes and stuff like that um so i looked at reach wrestling way down south and started working with a lot of their academy and interview being their first ever interview and stuff like that and i just enjoyed the new like the different side of the story and i was like i wonder what what else is what else is out there? And I am um, like in football. Like if I play football manager, I love managing in different countries. So I'm currently managing Simba in Tanzania um, on football manager. And I was like, I'm gonna try and apply it to wrestling. And I came across Shaukat. Um, Shaukat, he's the godfather of Malaysian wrestling, first ever Malaysian wrestler, created the wrestling scene out there with my PW. He's got APAC wrestling now, um, which is like Asian Pacific. He's trying to do some good stuff there. And that interview is probably, it's still my highest one on YouTube. It got over a thousand views on YouTube. And he's just such a nice guy. And I, I really enjoyed it. I was like, that. I was like, that's one of the most enjoyable things I've done, just to learn about the culture and how it's different, where he spoke to Booker T. And he was like, what should I do? There's no wrestling schools here. There's no wrestling scene. So Booker T was like, make one. So then he started studying like videos and stuff like that, where it'd be, I think it was Dr. Tom Pritchard. He got one of his like video syllab uh, syllabuses and started working through that. And then before he knows it, he set up his own wrestling scene training people so I was like that was cool so then I jumped across to Singapore and interviewed the first Singaporean wrestler and the first female Singaporean wrestler and I just I just really enjoyed it and I spoke to Ho Ho Lun from the Cruiserweight Classic and NXT we spoke about the Hong Kong wrestling scene and it was just I don't know it was just I really enjoyed watching these new companies and whilst I'm researching, like, all right, let's have a look at some of the products. And I just love how all the cultures can be different and it's the diff their own interpretation of what wrestling should be. And that despite the massive difference between our lives, wrestling still the, like, the same and brings us together. So, so it escalated. So that's what you said. You started, started at one place, you went, oh, go there. Go there. Go Pretty there. much, it, es it escalated and became an addiction. If I'm being honest, like it's it's been it's become an addiction. Like speaking to different wrestling scenes and like one of the flags that I don't think was on there was Taiwan. Um, so I spoke to Gaia Hawks, which that came down from Looking Sharp. Looking Sharp set that out for me, and it's just yeah, it's it's ama it's amazing and it's just an addiction where it's like right, what flag shall I go for next? <laughs> Try, try and tick them all off as, oh, eventually when you get there. Yeah. 
Um, so, so one of your main series as I within the Kurt Johansson show is uh, hashtag Scandi Graps, uh, which yeah. where you're speaking to Scandinavian wrestlers. Perfect. When you mentioned looking sharp, great way for me to segue into that because he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, uh, he's he's doing pretty well for himself in the old Scandinavian market for only oh, being twenty three. Uh, he's ridiculously, disgustingly talented for someone that young. Um, so, so, was it himself that kind of got you into the Scandinavian scene, um, or was there someone else that kind of got you into? Because I know you, you're working a little bit with, um, I can't remember the company off the top of my head, but uh, with, with a couple of companies in in that area. Am I right? I think. Um, yeah. So it, it wasn't as much working. It was just like granting me access to their talent, I guess. Um, <clears throat> I'm just trying to think of like the the history of it all. I think I'd I spoke to Endakara, which he was like my first one, obviously Turkey and Swedish. Um, so that was like a, a cool chat, and I spoke to Christian, the owner of Body Slam, um, and I, I really enjoyed that one. And we went for like the history of Body Slam and things like that. And I spoke to Lou. And Lou was like, oh, you should get in touch with Copenhagen Championship Wrestling. And then he kind of got the ball rolling with that one. And I started speaking to a few of their guys. Um, by, he messaged me and was like, oh, Copenhagen Hangman wants to come on your show. Do you want him on? So I spoke to Hangman. And yeah, it's just been closely doing stuff with like Body Slam and CCW trying to I guess bridge that gap because they're not the friendliest like together all the time and um there's it's a lot better than what it is like from these series I've I've learned there's a lot of heat between the two com- like different companies in Denmark there's dance pro wrestling there's CCW and there's body slam um but yeah I just again became an became an obsession like Johansson is like from my father's side, the Swedish and Danish in my family, um, so it, it kind of always draw me to me. Like I mentioned, football manager, I always manage in Sweden. A lot of the time, I go manage in Sweden, so it was, it was kind of like that. And then just everybody was just so friendly. Like, and I'm hoping to go out there. Like once the pandemic's over, to go out to Denmark, see what happens. And then I started doing interviews in Sweden, and again became friends with people through the interviews and they're like you should definitely come over here like let us know if you're coming over we'll find you somewhere to stay and stuff like that so it's just again it's been, it's been surreal I kind of need to change the name because these these scandigraps but then I've, I've kind of gone into the Finland side of things and Finland they're a Nordic country but not Scandinavian despite a lot of the time they kind of people think they are but they're not um so it's just basically like this candy grab scene and nordic wrestling that i've been looking at and trying to promote so i've done stuff with norway as well um eric isaacson founded that wrestling scene um so speaking of looking sharp who i don't i'm hoping once i got my next batch of recording dates we're trying to pin him down to to get a, a interview with them because uh his his and I relationship we don't have like a relationship but he's, he's definitely been one of the first people that'll go right i want to do this for you and sometimes it doesn't pan out but he's always yeah. so enthusiastic to to um contribute and just seem to give back to the wrestling yeah. and he also did the same when i did uh just written start started for 10 so i had 10 standard questions i didn't change them 
like pure laziness for content, uh, which I'm, I've found out very quickly. It's just super lazy. So that's why I like to do the podcast because then I can just just riff as, as I'm doing now and ramble. Um, but he, he recommended me some Danish folk and we end up doing a couple couple uh, start for tens with that. But um, So Looking Sharp, yeah, one of my favourite people in wrestling. Um, you took part in his most recent webinar, uh, the yeah. Looking Sharp Dojo. Uh so what, I don't want you to spoil what happened. I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate it because, of course, this is his knowledge that we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but what was it like being a part of that? It, it was it was fun. Like, lose somebody, again, where we've kept in touch since the interview. And um, from a few different people that I've interviewed, a lot of people have said that I should try and do more stuff in wrestling whether it's commentary or something like that. So I messaged Lou out of the blue and we hadn't spoke for a while. I was like, hey, man, like, I'm potentially thinking of trying to do colour commentary. Got any tips? And he ended up messaging me back and it was great. And we've been chatting since then. And then I got a message out of the blue. He's like, hey, mate, I'm doing this online, like, um, like dojo. Do you want to be a part of it? Um, like... Basically, this one is about like wrestling CVs and stuff like that and how to get yourself out there and stuff. I was like, yeah, mate, definitely. He was like, um, it went, it'll be good just to, for you to see, like if you are going to try and make a go of it and become more involved with companies, it might be good for you. And worst case scenario, you can interview all my guys. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's, that's fine. So I jumped on it and it, it was great. Like it was a lot of fun, very knowledgeable and, the plans he's got going forward and some guests that he's hoping to get on um, does make it really worthwhile. And the fact this this one was for free, like, and he so he gave up his time for free. And I think there was about 30, between 30 and 40 people. Like the Zoom thing, you had to press an arrow to get onto the next page to see all the other cameras. There was that many people that jumped on. And yeah, it was a good about an hour and a half um, Zoom session and he's going to go far in wrestling the brain he's got how good he is at being 23 and stuff like that and we've been chatting because obviously I'm going to have to do more with Pro 2 and Looking Sharp's dojo now yeah I mean when I first I, I can't remember how long ago it was must have been must have been 16 I think when I saw him uh, when his first promos could be 15 because he started this they started really young yeah. and I was, as soon as I saw him I was like that guy, his money, just from his character and all that, and to see him go from um, just the the little the little young scamp to still being just being larger than life, yeah, it's it's incredible. He's he's certainly uh, I'm I'm so glad that he's literally wrestled worldwide from China to the US to to everywhere in between. It's just ridiculous how how far he's come and. I hope one day that, I mean, I know we were talking to Ethan Cruz and WWE and all that, but he's exactly what NXT UK especially needs. Yeah. But he's, I think, I'm sure he's quite happy just doing what he's doing right now, building his world experience, because he doesn't need to go that way yet. He's 23. But uh, it's that kind of, because I've said it before, NXT UK is great, but it needs characters. It's got great wrestlers, but it hasn't yeah. got as many characters. And Lou is just that perfect guy to yeah. be in that um i mean i still we're speaking about five star i put up the video a couple I, of days I, ago. I loved him in 
Yeah, I loved him in Five Star. Him and Kreiger and all that, they, they were the absolute highlight of every week. The show could be absolutely rotten. It could be it could it could be Alberto Del whatever his face turning up and me going, ah oh, shit, not him. Um it could be all <laughs> that and then we'll have a moment where Kreiger gets everyone to chant for his granny. Yeah. Show best show ever, just from that point onwards. Um, <laughs> thanks to, to Lou and, and Krieger. And yeah, I've, I've, I've seen him put matches together, and there's not enough good words I could say about Lou. So hopefully, if he's listening, when I've got next batch of recording dates, I'm coming straight to your inbox uh, and we're, we're getting a chat in, um, mainly just to embarrass my, my wife because the first show she went to, Rock and Wrestle, um, we were there backstage. Oh, before the show set up, they were putting together the ring and uh, Lou was putting together his match, a tag match with uh, a couple of other wrestlers. And I was like, it's fine. Nobody will chat to you. We're front row. It's fine. Nobody will say anything to you. Um, because she was afraid people would just shout at her yeah. uh, or be intimidating, uh, which uh, the show ended with me trying to get a broken glass away from Jack Jester. So it was a bit of a dicey show as it was. <laughs> but uh, I, his first match, Lou came out, pointed directly at her and went, she fancies me. And she went red faced, looked at me and went, You said they wouldn't say anything to me. <laughs> I was like, Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Doesn't normally happen. Yeah, they usually avoid me. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but but uh, no, I've, I've had many a run in with Lou. I've had him on my lap at one point as well. I'm fairly certain it was only because he was the only one you in the crowd that I knew I wouldn't, well, he knew I wouldn't do anything weird. I just, hands yeah. up, went, I'm not touching you. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Get off me. Um, right, so so yeah, Pro 2. You brought up Pro 2. Perfect. Yeah. Working through seg- segues perfectly. Uh, <laughs> so you were announced as uh, being a scout for Pro 2. And as you said, yeah. so it's in conjunction with, with uh, the Looking Sharp dojo. Well, in kind of linked with. Um, and you also made their graphics uh, yeah. as well. Uh, so how did that relationship come about? Emily Hayden, simply like, it was it was all Emily. Like I'd seen that she'd been announced for Pro Two, and I was like, "Oh, that's good." Like anything I can do to help the company, and she was like, "Oh, add uh, to get Logan Storm." Like he's shooting him. She was like, "Add him on Facebook." So I was like, "Okay, I will do." And we was just chatting and stuff. I was like, "I'll have to get you on the show." And the graphics, because obviously new company, so somebody was doing them for free, and. It wasn't the same person that had done the belt design or the logo design or the big poster. It was just the announcement graphics. And I was like, they're not going to stand out to where somebody will look at him and be like, ooh, I want to look at that company as much. And I'm not saying I'm an amazing graphic designer. Like I've self-taught this past year um, just from doing my own graphics. I'll just try different things. And if that works, that works. If not, I'll scream at my computer and try it tomorrow. <laughs> and... Um, I was just like, look, like, I was like, do you want me to help with the graphics? So, and I'm, I'm no expert graphic designer. Um, and he's like, we're working on the budget. I was like, look, I'll do, I'll do it for free. Like anything I can do to help the company. And I just sent him a mock of an idea. I was like, look, this is something I can do. And uh, it's if you see Pro 2's um, talent announcements, the ones with the darker purple flames and stuff, that's what I've been making. So I sent that and he was like, oh yeah, I like that. So then before I know it, I've just redone the full roster and just made all those. 
and then did a couple of videos as well. So with Sheikh El Sham, uh, the Middle Eastern millionaire, I did like a video for him and I've been been testing with a few different things and it, it was just that, like me me just helping out and it's not been released yet, but my interview with Logan at the end of it, it was like, uh, and I was just about, I was wrapping it up, I was asking for his socials and I was like, right, everybody, yep. And it was, and it was just like, oh, one minute, so I was like, oh, what? And he's like, are you a pro too? So I was like, yes, I am. Didn't know what he wanted me to do. And then he, because um, I'd, I'd put Tyson Taylor's part of the roster and I'd put them in touch. I told Tyson, I was like, look, you're trying to get your name out there a little bit more. He's worked 13 years for All-Star Wrestling, trained by Dean Ormark, but for independent shows, doesn't really work. Um, despite him working like 200 matches a year for All-Star. So I was like, look, it's a new company. They're working with a lot of young talent as well. You'd be a great heel to try and elevate some of the faces, reach out. And they, they liked what they saw. I got through the graphic. He was like, right, this person's pro too. Can you make it? So I like, oh, I'll get in. And yeah, so he, he asked me at the end of the interview, he was like, are you pro too? So I was like, yes, I am. And I just expected it as like, somebody helping us with our graphics and stuff like that. And he was like, oh, the post... I went, does that mean I make a little graphic of myself? He was like, yes, it does. So I made the one where I'm in my suit from, from Buckingham Palace. <laughs> or there is the one, like the original of my cartoon logo, but without it being cartooned. Um, so I sent those across and he put one up. He was like, oh, surprise. And he'd put Talent Scout. Um which means a lot like that he'd take my advice on people. Um, obviously, I, I did a few training sessions. I'm, I'm no wrestler, but I'd like to think I've got quite a keen eye and knowledge and about the business. And then we'd just been chatting. And then I think it was it was last night. Um, he, he mentioned to me, he was like, look... Um, Regarding Looking Sharp's dojo, I'm thinking of putting you the lead on that. For we're going to take people's CVs, people are encouraged to send them over. Um, want you to look at them. So it's it's a it's a big opportunity, like blown away um, by giving that and the fact that I can put people forward and they'll take it under consideration. Um, isn't going to be where I'm going to try and get all my mates booked or anything like that. But if if they say, oh, we need this uh, this kind of wrestler or somebody for the women's division or the tag division or the YSO series division or the Believe division, I'll have a look and be like, well, this person would be good because it could work with this. Or So, yeah, it's, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, obviously, when I coached at Hull City, I used to work on the camps. So during summer holidays, I'd do six weeks of football coaching with various kids all over the city and I'd be able to put people forward and do reports like right this kid's good he plays for this team and then the centre of excellence need to go look at him essentially so it's it's cool that it's come full circle and now I could potentially do it with um, pro wrestling so, so what I'm getting from that was once again you tried something and it escalated very quickly and you've ended up doing something else <laughs> but, but yeah especially for posters, uh, I know from my own experience, I did uh, rock and wrestles for a little bit because it was Inverness based, and uh, I was 
again, I'm, I'm in that sweet spot between an, about an hour and a half from Aberdeen, about an hour yeah. from Inverness. So I'm in Elgin and uh, end up doing some of their posters. And it was a very weird experience because I, I am not, this is all, again, self-taught, like yourself. Um, I just have a really control, I just have a control issue. I don't want anyone else to make my graphics. I know what I want, yeah. so I'll make them myself. Whether they look good or not, I don't. Uh, that's a different matter entirely. <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's that's what that's what I'm like. Cause I ain't done like a course or anything like that. Like Ringsider's Callum's a great graphic designer, and he did all ours. And I remember the second episode I ever did was like a NXT. It was a Wednesday night war thing, and I the Queen of NXT came on, and I remember sending her the graphic. I was like, "Oh, this is great! Like, this is so good." And I'd, I'd cropped out an Adam Cole, and I cropped out a Jericho holding the title, and put some text on. And I thought it was fucking. I thought it was amazing. And I look back at it now. I'm just like. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> I was like, I was so proud. I was so proud of it, but it is absolutely the, the absolute shits. <laughs> uh, I made one of our first logos when it was OSW TV, which originally it was called. I made, I did all my editing on a PlayStation Three, which oh shit, which I know. I don't know how I did it. I don't have any of the episodes anymore for fucking good reason. <laughs> but I did all that on there, and then I t- I cropped. One of the the bits that had the OSW TV in it, and I put it through a filter on my phone on Android, old as fuck Android phone, and that was my first logo, and it was awful. And then I, <laughs> I made my next one on Microsoft Word, so I didn't get any. I didn't didn't get any better. <laughs> it was just <laughs> the worst thing ever. I mean, now I I still I wouldn't even know how to use Photoshop, even if you showed me. I just I, I've got a I've got a website I use. The images come out all right. I know how to crop out because I've got a website that does this. I mean, if the internet dies, I'm yeah, I'm fucked. <laughs> I'd, I'd 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 be, I'd be the same. Like, cause I use one site to kind of cut out the silhouette of the people, but sometimes, especially if they're on a white background, hate the white backgrounds on promo shots because it comes out a nightmare. I'm trying to like do it myself, or if they're on a black background but they're wearing black gear as well, oh, that's a nightmare. Yeah, because then you're having to or cut out long yourself hair. and yeah. Um, but now, like, mine's a lot of like stock images, so I try and find what's free to use and stuff like that. And same with the music, my music that I use for my show, and I've done for a couple of announcements on lap. They're, I think, they're great for a rock band, and it's it's just finding that. And I'm more of a, I'm not a Photoshop guy. Like my graphic, I didn't make. One of the fiance's um, friends made it for me, but. It's just all the other stuff, like putting things together and think right colors and stuff like that. The text—that's what I've kind of been working with recently. Yeah, everything I've done or it's poster on my wall is the website I use. Because so they're all quite—they're—they're they're fine enough for thumbnails, but you wouldn't yeah. want to blow it up because it'll get really blurry really, really quickly. I'm just amazed that it looks okay in a t-shirt. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I sent it. I thought this is quite low res. It's not going to look great. And then I ordered the t-shirt and it arrived. I was like. Fuck, I can read it. That's <laughs> that's enough for me. Thank you. <laughs> That'll oh, do. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, I'm exact same. Website cuts it all out for me. White backgrounds hate them. Black hate them even more. Just give me like green, pale, just not white. Um, fortunately, <laughs> with, with a lot of Scottish wrestlers, a lot of them are very white, so it doesn't really help either. Um, so, so speaking of Scottish wrestlers. Done it again. Uh, Fierce females <laughs> is uh, again was another one our avenue that 
after your Emily uh, interview, that's when I was like, oh, this guy's working on the Scottish scene. And uh, someone with an eagle would have went, hey, hey, this is my territory. Fuck off. But uh, <laughs> I was like, I saw your fierce females focus stuff and I was like, oh, I'm checking this out uh, with Aisha Raymond. Now, you have said in the past that it was pretty much Aisha came up to you and went, I'm doing this. I want yes. you to do it with me. Um, so what was your experience with Fierce Females before then? How, how much had you actually seen before your interviews with Emily? And, and I'd, I'd, I'd seen I'd seen a few of the shows, um, mainly from research and stuff like that. And I, I, I like the I liked the vibe and I was following them on social media. And again, Emily just sang the praises. Um, Aisha, when I interviewed her, which is on the Ringsiders like feed, where it was just myself interviewing her, because it was supposed to be for um, Kurt's angle at the time. But then I was like, "Look, I'll just I'll just put it on the Ringsiders. It's fine." And um, <clears throat> yeah, basically she she just reached out and was like, "Hey, so I'm thinking of doing this." She was like, "I'm hoping this, this, this kind of thing. Would you be interested?" And at this point, I'm like, "Look." I don't even know if I'm going to continue. <laughs> like, um, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be with Ringsiders anymore. I don't know if I'm going to continue my solo stuff. Or I understand if it's ring like the Ringsiders because we'd built up a big base. Like they're they're doing great by themselves, but we'd still, as a trio, we built quite a good foundation. And I was like, look, so I went, I, I do my own show differently with the approach. Like I'm not constantly tweeting about. WWE or doing um, competitions for fights so it's it's a lot harder to grow the followers and stuff like that but I'm like but I've got an organic following base I'd like to think and um, she was like she went oh no it's not the brand that I'm wanting basically whatever you're doing I, I want to work with you um, I just had a lot of fun uh, during our interview and that, that meant a lot so I was like Great. And I started speaking to, um, I'll, I'll say Veda, I'll, I won't use a shoot name, so I was speaking to Veda, the owner, and she was just on about, like, ideas and stuff like that, and she she liked what I was suggesting, and yeah, these Females Focus was born, where basically um, me and Aisha will Skype or Zoom, we'll screen share, we'll watch on these Females Video On Demand, one of the shows, part one right and then we'll record then it's part two so there's a lot of editing that i had to do on my end for it because i didn't want it just to be like one of my interviews so i had it where i got to use footage from the companies and then making us go small in the corner so you can watch it and then going back so it was it was testing myself but it, it's, it's great like um there's been people where i've again suggested to them that hey you should look at this person and stuff like that if if they will who knows but it's just been a good relationship and hopefully once shows are up and running we can um do some more like it goes straight onto video on demand when i spoke to sarah marie taylor like i got that on video demand first um and then it'll go on to my own show whereas if it's fees females focus don't go on my feed at all. It'll just go video on demand then face females YouTube page. Uh, Sarah, Sarah is again one of the nicest people I've ever interviewed as well. She's just 
amazing. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll, we're, we're in discussions after I recorded about possibly doing something about Reckless yeah. with her. So I'm hoping once the show is returned, we'll be able to do something with, with her as well. And uh, be between the two of us and uh, some others, we'll cover all Scotland eventually yes. with all this, uh, with all this uh, podcasting. Uh, stuff. So yeah, Fierce Females was one of those companies after all the Speaking Out movement happened that there was a lot of eyes on them and uh, to to be able to try and um, take some positives out of that and being able to grow with the likes of, of adding yourself as, as a, as a kind of not so scout, but kind of scout putting names forward and, yeah. and focusing on the shows itself. Um, it's a really good way of of, of getting people to remember it's it's still wrestling at the end of the day we can yeah the the big stuff the bigger picture yep that all get sorted and they were really quick and putting out statements and getting things in order so um it's it's a, it's a relationship that of course will hopefully uh get better we just need shows to start that's that's the that's the biggest thing yeah. now it's just getting <laughs> shows yeah because i'd i'd planned like the show was supposed to be tonight, I believe, the first show back, and I should have been going up. Like I was supposed to be getting married next week, um, but that's obviously been cancelled. It was the second date we've had to cancel through the pandemic. But yeah, so these plans, like I'm, I'll go up there, and whether it's just me watching the show or if they want me to get involved in like whatever capacity, um, will remain to be seen. And it's it's just interesting, like having those two, and I'm doing a. a Little bits here and there for Wrestle Carnival, um, that's cropped up. So, who, who knows? Like once wrestling's back to normal, like what I'll be doing. Um, it's just good to have like options and people valuing like what I can bring to the table. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've went into my. I started this podcast because there was nothing to do. There was literally nothing. Uh, my, my website was primarily previews, reviews, and results no shows on, can't preview, can't get results, there's no shows. Review, it's fine if you're watching it back, I don't think it's the same though. My review's always been, I can tell when I read them back if I watched the show on YouTube or if I watched it live, because yeah. it's totally different, totally different kind of reviews. Um, so I don't, I've, I'm hoping to maybe continue it after shows return, so the longer, longer shows don't, the longer this podcast will run. So <laughs> whether that's a good or a bad thing, I don't know. No, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a good thing, and like not to blow smoke up yourself. Like, even if you sat doing, I still think you need to continue with the podcasting. Obviously, time permitting, I still think for what you guys are doing for Scottish wrestling as well, and the when you're doing the little tournaments and stuff like that, I, I think it's been it's been a great help for Scottish wrestling and getting, I think, a lot of eyes on other people that may not be known by myself and stuff like that and then well, i see your podcast is the same it's, it's getting eyes on folk that i've never heard of and yeah it's it's fantastic i love it <laughs> no so keep, keep it up even when shows are back keep it up yeah i mean i've been around this for what seven years and i think there's always one point every year there's a point in me going nah that's how i'll finish up this year it's all it's all good <laughs> and then somehow i'm like I know, I'll, do, I'll do it another month and then yeah. the, these fucking tournaments it was, a, it was a ridiculous idea and they've just um, the word of the podcast is escalated because <laughs> they just <laughs> they just went a bit nuts <laughs> and then yeah. uh, and then they just kept getting bigger um, yeah that was a weird time but that again that's why I did this because I thought right I'm fed up with doing tournaments I'll do something else let's try podcasting um, and it's, it's I think 
I'm the only purely Scottish wrestling podcast that's running at the moment. Um, yeah. There was one that was running, uh, but they've kind of went on break. I have no idea. They, they recorded episodes and then they didn't come out for three months. Okay. No idea what happened there. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, so it's been great to speak to just new faces. I mean, most of the guests I've spoken to have never seen wrestle live. Uh, they're just their trainees, some of them, and they might never wrestle at this rate. Um, so when it comes to, to chatting to folk, uh, I, know, I know you discussed this with Ella again, but uh, you like to put in a bit of research. Uh, yeah. how, how difficult is that when you're saying you're speaking to, to trainees? Um, what kind of thing do you kind of focus on when you're speaking to them? So if I'm speaking to <clears throat> trainees, like I've, I've had a few people where they're like, I don't think I've done enough to warrant an interview. I'm like, trust me, there's so much there still. And it's just, I know training can be daunting for people. So I'm just like, let's show the life of a trainee because at the end of the day, we might ask wrestlers, oh, how did you get started? Like who, what did you think of the training? But those that are actually going through it, it's, it's very different. So it's like I've had discussions with people where they were still trying to find out who their character is and the thought process going behind that. So I'll, I'll research like some of the matches that they've had. Um, I've had people where I've literally, they've had one match that's aired and then I've interviewed them for each. And then they've been on Reach's Unit 10 series where it's behind closed doors and stuff. Um, and it was like just talking about the, the route into into wrestling, what the training's been like, um, a lot of the seminars they might have been on. Again, it's been really easy with Reach because Reach do fantastic with the training. Jason King and Grayson have really put... It's, it's not been a cash cow for them, and they put time and effort into who they're getting to do with seminars, like James Mason, Yeston Reese, Luke Phoenix, Joel Redman, Eddie Ryan, some of the best there is here in England, especially in the Southwest scene. And... Um, yeah, so it's just, I try and think of like what people would want to know, what life of a trainee is like and how how they're adjusting and again, how they're finding their moveset or how they're finding their character and because a lot of them can be still indecisive of who they are and their identity. Uh, has, has there ever been a moment where you've been just totally stuck for a question? I know I have uh, in previous interviews. And I learned how to actually research properly. Uh, but yeah, is, is there going to be a moment where you're just like, ah, uh, uh, um, are you, I, you come across as a confident guy anyway. So I'm hoping, I'm, I'm guessing that, you, you can just play it off a little bit. You're able to just. Yeah, I think, I think there's been some times where I've known what I wanted to say, but I'm not quite at being at that point yet. Um, Cause I know that's how I'm wanting to end it. Cause I'd, I'd I don't write down questions anymore. I used to write down loads of questions and stuff like that. Um, I don't even write bullet points anymore. It's got to that point. I'll just research, kind of absorb what I can absorb, um, and then just kind of go at it. And I just think it's given a more free-flowing conversation. But, yeah, there's sometimes where I'm like, I'll be hes hesitating slowly just to be like, right, how am I going to get to that before getting to that straight away, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I listened to one of my, my first interviews. It was with uh, Sammy Jane and uh, Debbie Sharp, who was wrestling at the time. And my, my first question, and I hated it. I hate myself when I said it out loud. First question, I, I'd met these girls before. They're, they're, I've met them plenty of times. First question, so what's the weirdest thing a fan has done to you? 
I'd given you <laughs> oh or God. said to you. And then as soon as I said it out loud, I went, why the fuck have I asked that? Why is that the first question? <laughs> no. Like, I mean, when, when you're mid-conversation and you've built yeah, rapport, exactly. not like, build it up. <laughs> hey, hey, what's I, the weirdest thing somebody's done to you? Hey, I'm, I'm just meeting you in this Weatherspoons for the first... <laughs> yeah, so it's been a long journey to get to this point of doing interviews and not sound like a total <laughs> fucking idiot. Um, that's why I always go for the boring question first because that kind of sets the tone for the whole chat. I know that is... Yeah. I, I, well, my notes for you has been seven bullet points, and which you can't see, uh, but it's <laughs> literally just so I don't forget things, but I don't... I just look down on them just so it makes it uncomfortable. But yeah, my first... That's, that's how... Yeah. That's how it should be with the bullet points. Um, I, I used to write the full question and I was always so fixed on just getting to the next question and getting on to the next question. And you lose a lot of the best stories um, because a lot of the best stories aren't what you can find on um, the internet. Like One of my biggest compliments was John Schuyler. People can see him on AEW Dark at the moment and he's done a lot of stuff for NXT and WWE. And he said afterwards, it was like, oh, it was refreshing, like, because the interview was very different and you've done your research rather than just Wikipedia. He was like, because he went, I've done interviews before where you can just tell the person's looked on your Wikipedia page and asked you questions about what's on your Wikipedia. So it was, it was that was the big compliment where I was like, ah, oh, what I'm doing is the is the best thing. And like, sometimes I'll have, if there's been something where I'm like, I might not remember that, but I found it, I'll keep it on my phone screen. And if I need to look back down to it, I'll look down to it. Um, but yeah, bullet points is the best way, and just don't don't be scared of going on tangents. I think I've had so many wrestlers where I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm going on a tangent. I was like, continue because that's where the best stuff is. I went these tangents are the stories that people can't find on the internet anywhere. Yeah, and that that is no more evident than my four hours overall between two episodes chat with Scotty Swift, where I don't think. <laughs> I, I, had, I wrote a page of notes because it's just stuff I didn't want to forget. It wasn't like, oh, I have to ask this. I was like, right, I've written that down just in case it pops up. I think we spent about 20 minutes on Ghostbusters. That kind of <laughs> went awry. And it's just, yeah, that's how this, these podcasts, um, they started off with half an hour. We're going to speak about wrestling. That's all we're speaking about. That's it. Nothing more. And then by episode three, I was with Kevin Williams. Ice cream truck went came outside and just blew out the sound and then my dog decided to play with a squeaky toy and it just it just descended into madness and from that point I was just like right I won't write any notes we'll just go off the cuff and then I got to one interview and I was like I've forgotten everything it was Sarah it was because she was so nice and just lovely I was like I'm just I've forgotten every question I'm not gonna ask you it's all gone <laughs> so from that point forward I was like right bullet points that's what I'm doing so I kind of went the opposite way I started off the yeah. cuff and went realized no I need something to keep me going to to, to yeah. keep an eye on mainly because i keep forgetting the dinosaur question which i'll just ask you now uh what's your favorite dinosaur what's my favorite dinosaur see i, I uh, luchasaurus can i say you will be the first in in order that have said that but you'll be the second person to say luchasaurus so yes it counts uh, as I was saying, every nah. episode, Harmony Sky is still my favourite turkey dinosaur. Turkey dinosaurs, <laughs> food of gods. Best answer. Farm food special. Uh, used to get the, the chicken jets as well. Oh man, I'm turkey dinosaurs. I love that. 
best one. Anyway, we did get some questions in uh, from the Twitterverse, which you can you can contact me at Scott Resnet. I'm starting to learn how to actually plug my own shit in this in these podcasts, <laughs> uh, which I've done really well. Patreon, we've got Patreon as well. I'll say that right. Okay. Uh, so Dean Ford asked if you could relive any era of wrestling, which would it be? Attitude. If I can relive Attitude era whilst being this age, like it just looked so much fun. Um, like the fans were having fun, the wrestlers were having fun. I just thought it was, it was a cool time, and I'd probably appreciate different wrestlers a lot more. And yeah, got to be attitude error. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like I've said in the past, I, I like that. End, well, I started watching at the tail end of the attitude into like 2002 and all that kind of stuff, and yeah, um. I, I love that. I was the perfect age for it as well, I think, just yeah. being 11 to 12 and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I would definitely go back to that era or, yeah, total agreement. But the Monday um, Night Wars and stuff like that, amazing. Yeah, I, I'd be interested just to, re, just to relive it because like, at the yeah. time, we were on the wiser. We were too young. We would see yeah. it, but we wouldn't get the ramifications. I mean, I don't think anyone should care about ratings these days. It's a worldwide sport. Ratings are just for America. Who gives a shit? Um, it, that, it, dri- it drives it drives me insane because people say WWE are going down in the toilet because the ratings aren't as good and stuff like that. Have you just seen their YouTube stats? I know it's ridiculous. They got something like a couple of billion views across all of their content on YouTube in one month. Like, I'm sorry, but that's fucking that's amazing. I know it's like come, come back to me when, when you sh- you show me the numbers between AW WWE in the UK or in anywhere worldwide and then you can have an argument about it but yeah WWE is a world it's they don't do things right all the time in fact they do things wrong a lot of the time but but uh they're a worldwide product if they're getting pumped in america over wednesday night ratings who gives a shit they got 20 million people watching their superstar spectacular in india exactly that's just yeah and peacock because that's a billion dollars shit right there so it's yeah. I think people need to kind of get over the whole ratings thing. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy wrestling, you fuckers. <laughs> it's just yeah. the best way. There you go. There, there's the clip. Just enjoy wrestling, you fuckers. <laughs> that'll do. Right. Uh, <laughs> Emily Hayden asked, uh, "Why am I his bestie?" So why are you his bestie? <laughs> no, that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nah, I got what you mean. Nah, she. Like I said, she. She's great. She's helped me through a lot to be fair like even personally um we've become like really close friends we'll speak even when it's not wrestling related or anything like that and it's why we're doing a couple of shows so i think that's why i was like when people let me down she was always there essentially and it feels like we've just known each other all our lives essentially and uh what do you think of toasty Toast is great. Like the reaction I got from Aisha Raymond on Fees Females Focus for calling him Sir Toasty the Great. Like she nearly fell off a chair and had a heart attack. Like she was fuming. I, I and it just it just speaks volumes to how talented she is. She's got a fucking toaster over. Exactly. I mean, the Toasty was bred for greatness. Uh, it always pops up when you need it. Um... <laughs> Uh, let's have a toast to that. <laughs> oh, nice. Thank you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's another question, but that's a, I think that's a, a, que- a show ender, so I'll come back to it in a second. Um, so you go to, you do a lot for wrestling. You do the, the dojos. You're doing, well, you're part of the dojos. You're doing the interviews. You're doing 
uh, everything about it. Is your fiance into the wrestling, or is, she, is, is this a hobby to you? <laughs> no, yeah, not 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 at all. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't. I keep joking that our daughter, like she's three months old, I'm like she's going to be a wrestler, and she's like, nope. Don't don't really help that I'm sh- like I was I was telling her about the Undertaker when I'd been watching the two um, interviews with Stone Cold and the one with Joe Rogan. And I was like, oh, yeah, turns out he had a broken neck and didn't even realise, or he'd fractured his eye socket and nearly lost his eyesight. And I'm like, but if she wants to wrestle, she can wrestle. She was like, no. <laughs> um, she she encourages me, though. Like, it's not her thing, but she really does encourage me. And she's probably being my biggest believer, like, when I doubted my own abilities or if I could do it by myself. She was like, of course you can do it by yourself. So despite her not understanding it, she shares my passion and desire and that's why she allows me to come up into the office and hide away for a couple of hours a day and stuff to do it all but i will get her to a wrestling show i think i am um, i've been i've been saying like if it's like denmark or sweden i was like you should come to one of the shows and we can have a weekend of it like we'll go to one of the shows and then we'll just go sightseeing or something like that so i, I will get her to a show and hopefully that can change it a little bit. Yeah, I, I would always recommend a rumble. That seemed that was the one that got my wife and like she's not a big fan. She won't watch it on TV. She's like, yeah, yeah. any interest. She likes she liked Edge when she was younger, yeah. and that was about it because she liked the, his entrance music. Um, but I'll tell you what, she, she does like the Miz though. She likes the Miz. Um, cause I'm I'm a huge Miz fan to be honest. Um, he's one of my favourites at the moment, and <clears throat> I kept showing. Her, like videos of him and Maurice and like some skits was doing and she found it amusing. I was like, does that mean you're gonna watch Miz and Misses with me? And she actually did sit down and she'd watch and she'd be like, oh she'll watch Miz and Misses. So although there's like wrestling clips in that, she enjoys it because of she likes Miz and Maurice. That was slowly you're slowly getting her into it. Yeah. Um but yeah R- Rumbles has has been my key to it because because I just went it's it's you're throwing them out to both you both feet hit the floor. She's like, all right, okay, we'll go see this. She's like, I love that. I'll go to a rumble. <laughs> it's the one show she'll go to each year with me without fail. She'll go to a rumble. Uh, otherwise, she'll, she's not fast. She'll pick and choose if she's going to a yeah. show after that. But if I tell her there's a rumble at some point, she'll be like, well, I mean, okay. I, suppose. <laughs> uh, I think she, it blows her mind that, that Drew McIntyre is WWE champion, though, because he's from Air. And... The fact that I think even I don't think she understood how much I've done. I not to not to blow smoke up my own arse here, but how much I've done in Scottish wrestling, even if I'm just doing all this kind of stuff. When uh, I messaged him on Twitter the day after he won the WWE title, I went, "Uh, "Oh, because he follows my personal account." I still none the wiser why. Um, And I just messaged him day after WrestleMania won the title. Uh, Oh, well done. Had tear in my eye. Thank you, Drew. And he replied back to me the next, like oh, wow. within hours. And I think that was when it kind of clicked in her head, going, "Oh, you, you actually do something in Scottish wrestling. You just don't come up to your office for a couple hours and <laughs> do nothing. You, you've actually you're in the fabric somehow. In the I'm a little thread. I'm in the fabric somewhere in Scottish wrestling, which is." Yeah, that was amazing. Ordered his book already. Oh. Haven't bought a book in years. <laughs> what went What went through your mind when he replied? 
I had to double check to make sure that it was definitely his account. Because <laughs> I, I was like, have I just been messaging this this fucking randomer that's pretended? But no, it was his. And I was like, but my first thought was, why have you messaged me within 20 minutes? Because you're WWE champion. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Stop being so nice. <laughs> wait, I'm, wait a couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I, I get what you mean. Like, um, I don't know if I spoke about it in Ella's about X Pac. Oh, X Pac's amazing. He was so nice when I've met him. <laughs> so, with, with X Pac, um, like, I, I struggled with like crippling depression. Um, for a few years where it was, there was a suicide attempt involved and stuff like that. And this was all after like meeting the Queen and it was, I wanted a good place. And when I had to go to counselling, I'd put my headphones in, I'd watch X-Pac 12360, his podcast, and I absolutely loved it. And I ended up writing an email just saying, thanks, it's, your show kind of gets me to and from the counselling. And he actually, he, um, one of his hosts read it out and then it was, it was like, oh, what, go into too much detail or whatever. And then it was about to move on and he was like, no, I want to take it back. And when his host was like, oh, we've got one from Kate Johansson. He, was like, he went, oh, from Kate. And he was like, oh, Kate Johansson. Yeah, like I saw that. And then he brought it back and actually spoke about it. And he was like, look, I've been there. Like, if you need anything, drop me a message and stuff like that. And followed my personal account and shared a couple of emails and I got to meet him in Chicago for All In and he was asking, he was like, oh, it's good to see how well you're doing and stuff like that. And there's a picture that got taken where we're both just smiling and laughing and it's just like quite wholesome. So I, I, I get what you mean and like Kurt Angle follows the show. And yeah, I mean, I think Jeff Jarrett follows ours. I think it was when he was doing stuff for ICW. Uh, so I, I did fire a message once, going, do you want to do an interview? Never replied. Thought, ah, stick your, your gold up your arse, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> One day. Ryback follows it for some reason as well. I'm never never going to contact that him for that. But um, yeah, X-Pac, I've never met him once. Again, it was an afternoon show and I was nervous because I'm nervous with people anyway. That's, like, that's yeah. why I like the Zoom thing because it stops awkwardness but uh me and him and he asked me to pick an eight by ten to sign because that was part of the deal we were meeting him and i picked up a six one uh i might actually still have it i don't conveniently i have this in front of me um but i got uh eight by ten signed by him where is it it was this one it was with uh nwo and he said he hated it so much he signed another one for me because he thought I don't I only took these by mistake. So he signed another <laughs> one for me as well, going, No, no, take this one. Take this one instead. So yeah, I've X Pac, I'll never have enough good words for him either. So uh, nice and wholesome positive towards the end here. So we've, we've chatted for about an hour and a half now. So let's let's try uh, uh, I know you've got a life. I don't, but you've got a life, so I'll <laughs> get the rest of your evening um out of the way. But Emily also asked just to ask you about your upcoming projects. I thought that was a good way to kind of uh, tail to the end. So what, what have you got coming up on the Kurt Johansson show? So in terms of interviews, I've got quite a few um, like backlogged and stuff like that. So there's uh, Shady Natchez, like that's coming out on Monday. So by the time this is out, that'll already be out. Um, I've got Eccentrico from All Star Wrestling. Um, I've got Sunset Skip, where I've recorded. 
Um, got a couple from Finland, uh, Remy. I've got um, Sam Ashfak from Sweden. And then, yeah, I've got a few more as well, which I won't mention just yet because it's going to be a few weeks until they're released. Um, and then, yeah, we've got, <clears throat> we just sorted the date first to record our first Wrestle Pals, which, again, going to start off as a monthly show. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be about Marvel. We're going to talk about um, comics, movies, games, TV shows, like literally all things Marvel, essentially. And then we're thinking for the second episode, we'll do gaming as a whole, like any genre of games. Um, we've got the D&Dub stuff, so I'm just going to, we're sorting out rearranging the date where, again, that's going to be myself, um, Emily and um, Ian Skinner. And it's always going to be us free unless one of them can't make it. We are going to look at getting other guests that like D&D to come on um, to talk Dungeons and Wrestlers. So that could be, like, again, we're going to work, we're working out on the format for that. It was just going to be something that I was going to do. And if I had a guest that was interested in Dungeons and Wrestling, I was going to talk to them. But yeah, both of them want to be on it. And that's going to be a monthly show that we're going to do as well. So yeah, my interviews, those two shows, uh, I do interviews for Wrestle Carnival, my Fierce Females focus stuff once shows are back up and running. And at the moment, all my stuff with Pro 2, making graphics and see where the uh, talent scouting stuff goes. So before we go, uh, for the busiest man in podcasting, uh, where can people find you <laughs> on social media and YouTube? <laughs> um, so it's on Facebook, The Kate Johansson Show, Instagram, The Kate Johansson Show, Twitter, K Johansson Show, um, or Kate Johansson underscore from a personal one. Um, you can find me on Facebook and stuff through Katie Johansson as well. I accept anybody these days, to be honest. <laughs> nah, so you can find me on there. Uh, just search the Katie Johansson show on iTunes, um, on Spotify, on YouTube. Sub subscribe. That's always a nice feeling, I guess. And just have a look through. Like I try and sort out playlists. So I've got me Scandi Graps and Nordic Wrestling. I've got my... Um, like Malaysian wrestling, Singapore and stuff like that on the Southeast Asia stuff. So check that out. And if there's a guest that you want me to speak to or anything like that, or somebody I should be looking out for, just let me know. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me today on the Untitled Wrestling Podcast by SWN. I need to really reduce that title. I used to, it's only called that because <laughs> there's a, I made the graphic. I was really happy with it. It was like the titled Goose Game. But, oh, it's amazing. Got this idea <laughs> that someone did the Untitled Wrestling podcast months later, and I thought, "You bastards!" And I thought, "I'm not, I'm not giving up this name." So I'm now added by <laughs> SWN, but it's a fucking mouthful. Uh, anyway, but yeah, thank you very much for joining me, uh, Kurt. It's been an absolute fascinating chat. The time has flown by, and I think we could. I can't believe we've been speaking for an hour and a half. Like it's been great, and just keep again, keep doing what you're doing. Like the awards, putting um, focus on. The wrestlers and even the podcasters. I know you've you've got your two-time winner, and you didn't even exactly. mention the SWM Podcast Award winner of the year and best interview of the year. <laughs> didn't even I didn't write it down. God, my, my note taking shit. Anyway, right. So, but yeah, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll have to do a part two then. Uh, once once uh, I've listened to your Marvel episode, then Emily, and I'll have some thoughts. I'm sure we'll we'll get a second episode in, and uh, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll speak in the future. But yeah, thank you very much for joining us there. Nah, thanks for having me, man.